0: Thank you for joining me. In this episode, I'll be sharing with you my conversation with entrepreneur, business coach, podcaster, and author, Natalie Ekdahl. You'll find more information about Natalie, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 225. This episode is brought to you by Blinkist and by FreshBooks. FreshBooks. Our longtime sponsor FreshBooks is offering that 30-day free trial of their ridiculously easy cloud accounting service. To find out all the ways FreshBooks can help you manage your business finances, go to freshbooks.com/woman and enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section. I'll share a little bit more about FreshBooks later on in the episode, but right now I would like to welcome a new sponsor which is Blinkist. Now you know how important I think reading is. To to helping us grow and develop and expand our knowledge and our horizons as part of making a life that matters. But in today's age, it can be hard to find the time to sit down and read to learn more. It's just not easy when we have so much on our plates. So you may think you don't have time to read a book or to develop yourself in that way. Well, there's an app that I recently discovered and highly recommend. It's called Blinkist. And I am delighted to have them as a sponsor. Blinkist is the only app I'm aware of that takes the best key takeaways, the the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes of material you can read or listen to. Blinkist is made for busy people like us who want to get the main points of the books quickly without reading the entire book. With an audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish as many as four books a day, even while you're on the go. More than 8 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library of books from self-help, business, health to history books, and a lot of productivity related topics. I really like Blinkist because in around 15 minutes, I can learn something new, get a flavor for a book, and then decide whether I want to invest the time to read the whole thing. And you can actually buy the book right from the the Blink page for that book, or you can send the selections to your Kindle and read them at your leisure. I like the fact that you can highlight key points in the in the blinks is what they call them. And you can link Blinkist to Evernote and that saves the highlights to Evernote. So I'm developing a great collection of quotes that are meaningful to me. And you can read um, on your computer, on your phone, on your Kindle or in your Kindle app, or you can listen to the the Blinks uh, via the app on your phone. So I can listen to it while I drive or while I work out. The first one I read once I signed up for Blinkist was a book called How to Talk to Anyone by, I think the name is Leal Lowndes. And I really enjoyed it. This is a book I'm probably going to want to read the whole thing of, but I got a lot of great tips from just the the 15 minutes or so in Blinkist. It's a great book for introverts like me offers a lot of good tips on things like how to initiate conversations with new people and keep the conversation going, how to enter a meeting or a party and connect with the people there, how to feel more confident in conversations and and more. So I thought that was a great book. I also checked out Michelle Obama's new book, Becoming, and a fascinating book by Daniel Goleman called Emotional Intelligence. I recommend these books. I plan to buy a couple of them uh, pretty soon to read them in their entirety. Well, right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for the Productive Woman listeners. If you go to Blinkist.com slash TPW, you can get a free seven-day trial. And in seven days, you can listen to a lot of 15-minute excerpts or highlights of of books that you've been interested in. So that's Blinkist, and it's spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, blinkist.com slash TPW to start your free seven-day trial. Again, that's blinkist.com slash TPW. And I will have a link to this in the show notes. So now let's get right into my conversation with Natalie. I am delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Natalie Ekdahl. You might remember Natalie from her visit to The Productive Woman as the guest host on this podcast when she interviewed me back on episode 100 of the show. Natalie has put her MBA to very good use as an entrepreneur and a business coach, which is how I met her. She hosts the very popular Biz Chicks podcast, and she's the author of a great book called Reset Your Mindset that we're going to talk about a little bit. She's also a wife and a mom, and I've really been looking forward to having Natalie back so I could talk with her about how she's making a life that matters. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you, Laura. It's exciting to be here, and
1: it was so fun to get to interview you on your podcast, and it was a great honor back in episode 100, and I feel very excited to get to be on the other side of the mic today.
0: Yeah, well, I'm I'm really glad to have you back. There are a lot of things uh, that I want to talk with you about. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording, and we'll get into some of the things that you've talked about in your new book, some of the things you're doing with BizChicks. But before we get into all that, let's um, you know, I gave a brief introduction to you, but maybe you could start by telling us a little bit more about who you are and what you what you're doing these days.
1: Sure. I, uh, very similar to what you said, but expanded a bit. I, uh, I am first and foremost a wife and a mother. I have three children ages four to 16. And so that wide age range <laughs> causes a lot of craziness in our household. I, and I go from, you know, high school activities sometimes to preschool activities. So my, some of my days can be quite interesting. Uh, like I remember, uh, last year when I was teaching my daughter to drive one day, I was, in the car with her, teaching her to drive, but also trying to help, uh, one of my boys learn how to ride a bike. So those are, (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of funny to have this, this, these big age gaps, but, uh, but we're loving it. And uh, in terms of my business, I have a business where I help women uh, grow and scale their businesses while maintaining profit and dealing and trying to avoid overwhelm, which it can be a lot to juggle all of the things that we do as business owners. And many of my uh, clients and community members also have families and growing families. So uh, that is something that we help them with. We do that through uh, several different ways through the podcast, which is free content, just like just like your listeners get with you, Laura. Uh, So it's called the BizChicks podcast. And I have a a sister podcast now, which one of my team members runs called Stacking Your Team. That's hosted by Shelley Warren. And that's for people that are growing and scaling their team. And then we host a live event each year, which is a leadership conference for women entrepreneurs. And that's in November. We'll host it for the third time this November, 2019. And uh, then we also host masterminds and do one-on-one coaching with our clients.
0: So, you're, uh, you, you've got a lot going on. I, think <laughs> I do. I do, but I have a lot of
1: support at home and at work. Yeah.
0: And, and that's really a key, isn't it? To have that kind of support and to be willing to accept the support instead of trying to do everything yourself.
1: Yes, I do enjoy delegating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we're and we're going to talk about some of those kind of things. I'll be sure to put links in the show notes to the podcast, to your to your website, and uh, to the information about your leadership uh, conference because I think that might be something a lot of my listeners would be interested in. Mm. Um, but before we get more into that, uh, we're going to talk about how you are managing all this stuff, um, how you are making a life that matters as you've defined it. Uh, and we'll get into some of the nitty gritty, I think, of, of the the tools and techniques you use to manage all these things. But in order to understand how that all works for you, I think it's helpful to have a little bit of context for that. So if there is such a thing for you as a typical day, what might that look like? <laughs>
1: I love that. What is a typical day? Uh, so I am a early bird. And uh, well, today I first woke up at 3.30 and decided that was too early to get up. So I tried to go back to sleep, even though I had like several ideas of things I could start doing. Uh, so I slept in till 4.30, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, but usually I am awake by 6. Uh, and I if I wake up anytime after 4, I pretty much get up and get started on my day. I am trying to beat my. uh, I'm trying to get something done before my little guys wake up, who are four and six, Tahoe and Jet, and they are early risers also. So uh, we've made a rule they can't leave their room until 6 a.m., which they mostly oblige. So (laughs) I am trying to get up and get a few things done before they wake up, and that can include several things. One, most important, drinking a cup of coffee by myself. (laughs) That if, if that happens, pretty much the day is going to be a good day because that makes me feel centered. And like, I've had some time to myself. I, um, I like to, in the morning to either do a little bit of reading or, uh, I might, uh, I might check on something in the business. I have a Facebook group that we host for women entrepreneurs. It has almost 3,000 women in it. And then I've really been enjoying using the uh, five-minute journal. Is that mm-hmm. something you guys
0: have talked about before, Laura? It's been mentioned from time to time, and I know of it. But t- tell me, Tell us a little bit about that. I like it because it literally only takes five
1: minutes and I never know how long I'm going to have. So it's, it's just a page for each day with something to do in the morning and the evening. So to kind of bookend your day. And it starts off by asking three things you're grateful for, three things, what three things would make today great. So it kind of helps you set an intention for what you want to happen during the day. And then, uh, to give three affirmations to yourself. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it really helps like set where I'm going. And at the end of the day, there's an evening routine where you check back in, but I'll be honest. I'm like raising my hand here. Like I'm in court with you, Laura, (laughs) (laughs) I'm raising my right hand. I'll be honest. I rarely go do the evening part because for some reason it just hasn't become part of my routine, but I love the morning part. It sets the day. And usually the three things I write down, I do make happen uh, because I've set that intention. And then the chaos begins about 6 Mm a.m. where uh, my little guys are awake and they wake up starving. Like we didn't feed them the night before they are starving and must <laughs> eat immediately. So I am the morning person. My husband is a night owl. If he was to do, it's hard for him to function. Like it takes him about an hour to become his normal self in the morning. Whereas I like hit the ground running. And uh, so I am pretty much responsible for the morning activities with the kids. And, uh, I get them all ready for school and feed them my, older daughter, my daughter, who's a junior in high school, she takes care of herself and can do all her own things and is responsible for everything that she would need done. And uh, I get my little guys all ready for the day. And then my husband takes them to school. So at 8am is when I can breathe again. (laughs) And I realize that I, and that's when I start to get ready for my day. And then I I pretty much do not have any calls before 10 a.m. And then the rest of my day might be most often like calls, a few calls with clients. I might be record. If it's a podcasting day, I might be recording podcasts um, or being on someone else's podcast. So I do try to block my days so that they are um, combined with like activities. So either creating content or uh, working with clients uh, those, that's basically what I do. I create content and I work with clients and or I have the day off and it's with family. But most days are, are work and my work goes generally till about 4 o'clock and then I shift back into mom mode. My husband in the last few years as a business has gotten super busy and taken off. We have shifted roles and he has become what we call the primary parent mm-hmm. and he has taken over a lot of the shopping and cooking responsibility. So he generally has been making dinner and, um, so starting about four, I will go down and go downstairs. I have a home office and plug back into the family, see how I can be helpful. Uh, and then our kind of evening takes off with the kids and that involves eating and then wrangling our two high spirited boys into bed. So we have an evening routine with them. They have a bath every night and, uh, we, we read to them and, uh, and we, we actually lay with them until they fall asleep. So, uh, which doesn't take terribly long, but we know that having an older daughter, we know that the little state, like there'll be a time where they'll be like, "Please don't lay with us anymore." <laughs> so we kind of switch off who uh, who reads to them and and you know lays with them till they fall asleep. So that's how the night goes.
0: So pretty full days. Do you you mentioned that you kind of um, try to I, I forget the term you use, but what a lot of people would see, would maybe say theme your days. You have mm-hmm. certain yes. days where you're doing content creations certain days or certain parts of the day? Do you do you do it by day or by segments of the day? How do you do that?
1: Yeah, theme my year with a word of the year. And then that kind of sets the year and then my month will kind of usually have some kind of focus. And then the weeks have a focus as well. So I've actually made a like template for what my month will be like uh, starting in January because some of my meetings are not every week. Uh, so I have masterminds that meet twice a month. And so those weeks are different. The first week of the month is generally for content creation, uh, for either the podcast or creating a training for one of our programs. And then, uh, but then in terms of answering your question, uh, it depends. I prefer if a day is only content creation or only client work, it, that's my ideal does it always work out that way? Not necessarily. So, um, so it's, it, it kind of depends on the season. And if I I also kind of another activity that happens in my business is, uh, when we are launching a program, then we need to have client conversations and what some people might call sales calls to talk to people about our program. So that's kind of what's happening right now on my calendar is we are launching masterminds, um, coming into the new year. And so I have these, these calls on my calendar. So, um, like today, I'm recording a podcast with you, but I had a call before this with someone interested in one of our masterminds. So some days are a little disjointed, but the the ideal days for me are when I can just do one main activity and have that theme day, as you're saying.
0: Yeah. And how do you since you work from home, how do you deal with the the kinds of things that come up when you're a, a when you have a family like you've one of your little boys is sick? And so they can't go to school. How do you manage that? Do you have help that comes in to look after them? Do you readjust your schedule? How do you make that work? So that is that has changed throughout the years. And even from
1: when, you know, you and I worked together just even a few years ago, in the past, I would always take that responsibility. And now my husband is taking that responsibility. He is working in the business now. And so we have flexibility. He's not working for, he's not doing any other work besides working in the business. And so it gives us that flexibility that one of us can take over. And so for the last year, I would say year, year and a half, he has been, and we we were calling that a primary parent role. And that's really a term I've heard from the millennials. That's how they tend to call um who's kind of the, in charge either for the day or the week or the year and so for this season of our life mark is the primary parent and so if one of the kids is sick he would take care of them i will say that yesterday uh i was sick i had to cancel my entire day i was so glad i didn't have to, I, I got better so i'm not didn't have to cancel today but uh but I was sick, and so my sweet husband Mark was taking care of myself and my six-year-old. So both of us, he was he was in charge of both of us. And obviously, if if it was reversed, if he was ill, I would you know cancel my day and and take care of him. But generally, I feel like when you're ill, and and this is no judgment for people that handle it differently, uh, but you kind of want a parent to take care of you or a family member. And so uh, Mark and I generally try to be in, be the one that does that when um, when one of our kids are ill, and. Um, yeah, so I think that that's, that's how we handle those situations. And then at home, like in terms of like the, the distractions that can happen in the day I have, um, I have a position in my home. I call my fairy godmother. <laughs> so I, <laughs> so I have a, a woman that we found in our neighborhood and she is, she was retired from the work she was doing previously and now helps various families in the neighborhood. And she comes to our home every morning and it's literally like having a wife come to your home and do the things kind of a woman in the 1950s would do, a housewife would do. So um, her, she does have a real name. She, her name is Debbie. Debbie comes every morning around 9, 930, and uh, she does all the dishes and does laundry and tidies up and leaves. And because I'm in my office the entire time that she's here, it's as if a fairy godmother has come <laughs> into my house and waved her wand around and reset things. And, uh, and so I literally, and um, my, my life that I have created for myself intentionally is I am doing the work I love. And when I'm not doing that, I'm with my family or doing some things to self care for myself. And I don't love cleaning and laundry and, um, keeping house. And so I have outsourced that and, and I love it.
0: I love it. Well, I can see the value of that. How did you find your fairy godmother? <laughs>
1: I used an app called Nextdoor, so that's an app that many people have in their neighborhoods, and it's it's. I, I did several things. I posted it on Facebook also for a uh, a recommended stranger, so I did not want to hire someone that was a friend. So I was really looking for a friend of a friend, and then I posted it on Nextdoor as well because I wasn't getting as many bites on Facebook as I was hoping, and uh, and and she was looking for work. And I've seen since then a lot of postings on that app of people looking for household help of people looking for a nanny or part-time childcare for a plumber for, um, a regular cleaning service. So, uh, so yeah, so Debbie does the kind of day-to-day work that a kind of woman of the 1950s would do. And we also have, a deep clean done every Friday. So we have house cleaners that come and do the toilets and um, you know, just keep everything, all the vacuuming and floors. So Debbie's not doing all the kind of general cleaning tasks. She's more doing, I would call it housekeeping versus like deep cleaning.
0: You know, it's so interesting to me as you're describing the help you have. And I think a lot of women would be listening and thinking that is just awesome. How, 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 but I could never do that for any number of reasons, maybe because we, you know, a lot of us struggle with, well, I should be able to do that. It's my home. I should take care of it. Um, Why should I, you know, get somebody else to do that stuff? Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel like I can't afford that kind of help. How do, and obviously you've, you've built this uh, support system over time as your business has grown, but how did you, I mean, did you struggle with any of those kind of things in considering whether to get
1: help? Yes and no, but not really. So first of all, here's one of my philosophies. You should have as much work as you, as much help as you could afford. So however much you can afford, you should have that much help. And I don't really feel guilty about it. And I've tried to understand why I don't because I I hear that from a lot of women and from my clients, all the things you just said. It's very common. And I think it should be noted where I live. I live in Southern California in Orange County, which is an affluent area. It's not uncommon for people to have nannies and housekeepers and cleaners. And so um, I would say majority of people don't have someone come to their home every day and kind of reset their house. That's probably unusual in my neighborhood. Um, But I would say the majority of people have someone clean their house. Mm. But I know that my, especially my clients and friends in like the Midwest, uh, they would say like, I would not even be able to tell my neighbor or my family that I have this help. I would, I would feel so much judgment and I've thought about where this comes from and partially it comes from my mom. So my mom has modeled to me, uh, outsourcing, uh, when I was very young, my mom is an amazing housekeeper. Like she, I aspire to be I judge myself against her, which I always fall short. Like she's just amazing at keeping a home that's beautiful and clean and also very comforting and welcoming to be in. Uh, so it's a quite a nice balance that she's able to strike. But when I was growing up, my mom is a teacher and uh, was a teacher. And so she wanted her house cleaned every week, but didn't want to be doing it all day Saturday. And so she, even though I would say my parents were at the time middle class, uh, she budgeted money for someone to come and clean our house. I think it started out once a month and then she got to like two times a month and that, that was worth it to her. The way they did that is my family never ate out growing up. So it's rare for my parents to even to this day to go out for meals. So it was just what was important to her. She wanted her weekends free and didn't want to you know, she was exhausted from teaching and taking care of the kids. And that was a priority for her. And then I've watched other people are doing and curious and I've over the years gathered different ways that, that you can run a household and get help. And so I don't, ha- I would say that is in sense, you know, a mindset issue. There's this fear of judgment that people have about people judging them. And that is one that I don't really struggle with because over time I have learned, to focus on the people i care about and care about their judgment versus random neighbors that i don't really know. <laughs> uh, so and then i also say i also say to some people who are like why well, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell my mom and i'm like well don't tell your mom. Like do you have to tell people everything you're doing and get permission? So i don't need permission from a lot of people to do what i want to do. I need to do what's right for myself and my family and i've i've trained myself to let go of that. Now does it do i ever worry about Things, you know, yes, I do, uh, but I would say that's one—that's one area I struggle less with—is like worrying about the judgment from other people about how I'm running my home.
0: And, and that's a great place to be in because I think to—to to really make, it, 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 as I think about it, it's such an ideal to be able to spend our time. Uh, doing the things, the profession that we have, the business that we have, that we care about, that we're good at spending our time and energy on either that, or as you said, family, and to get past those sorts of things. Uh, And so I want to talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but so you don't, you don't struggle with that. You've got, um, you've got the support system that you need. I think you would agree everybody's life is a little different. For all of us, it presents different challenges as far as staying productive, getting the things done that really matter to us. That may not be a challenge for you. But what would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life, making a life that matters as you define it?
1: That's such a good question, and absolutely, I have my own challenges. So I have a lot of ideas. I constantly have ideas for new businesses, for new podcasts, for uh, new new things to do around the house, new activities, and that's something that I have to manage. Have you heard of uh, the assessment called the Colby, or have you taken it, Laura?
0: I don't know if I've taken that one.
1: So I... Th- I recommend you take it. It'd be really interesting. I have an idea of what you might be. So it's, it's called K- it's I'll spell it. It's K O L B E. And if you go to Colby.com, you can take their, it's called the Colby a assessment and it, it is, a, you have to pay for it. It's $50, but taking this assessment has helped me understand myself. And I have my clients take it now too. It has helped me understand my clients so much better. And so it's talks about how we originate when we, uh, how we originate with a new project or idea. So say I was to say, Hey, Laura, I have this idea for a podcast we could do together. Uh, I would start off the way I originate is as a quick start, which means I start off brainstorming. And my guess is you might be a fact finder, (laughs) uh, because you would ask a lot of questions about it and like details and like, when would we start? And, uh, how, how long would the, program be and how would, would we have a contract? And, uh, it was, does that sound right? Does that sound right? Like you'd they have a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: <laughs> so quick starts tend to not take very long to make decisions and fact finders take longer, mm-hmm. uh, because they need all the facts and often don't feel like they have all the facts, even when they, they may have all the facts. So my struggle is sometimes I don't ask enough questions when I, before I make a decision. And then another element of the Colby, you could be high in quick start, high in fact finder, or high in follow through. And those are people that if we were to have the same conversation about the podcast, they would want to know what the goal is of the mm-hmm. podcast. Like, why are we doing this? And how will we know if we're successful? Because they have to hit that goal. They can't not hit the goal. So they would be focused on kind of more like, what What are we trying to do? accomplish? And then let's figure out how to, their goal would be to, they would, their job would be to figure out how to accomplish it. So I am lower in fact finder and follow through. And so in terms of productivity, I start a lot of things and struggle to finish them. Mm. And what I've learned is that that's something I have to hire out for. So the things that I do want to be done, I have to hire people to finish them or to hold me accountable. So you've mentioned I wrote a book. Laura, I would never write a book by myself. Mm. Natalie has ideas for like a hundred books, <laughs> but I'm never gonna actually write a book unless I have help. And so I hired a woman who was my writing coach and a ghostwriter. And so she wrote it with me. And she took many of my podcast episodes and turned them into chapters. And it was very collaborative. I was very involved. I have like folders of the seven drafts we had (laughs) uh, going back and forth between us, but uh, I would not have accomplished it without her help. Or, and also like even towards the end, my motivation was because it, it was very difficult. It was a very difficult process for me to, to do this book. Uh, but she held, I wanted to release it at my live event. And so that's how, that was her carrot for me. She's like, imagine when you're at the event and you get to share it with everybody, but we have to get this part done by this date or we're not, it's not going to happen. So I, so to answer your question for me, while I get a lot done, I I do that by, outsourcing and delegating and knowing my strengths and weaknesses and completing tasks is not always my strength. And so I I often hire that out. Well, and
0: it's so important that you know that about yourself. Uh, it, to me, I think really productivity in all the best senses starts with awareness, awareness of who we are, what our strengths and weaknesses are. And where we need help and how we can get it. But but if we don't know those things about ourselves, we're just going to be spinning our wheels, I think, a lot of the time. I think it's true.
1: And this this assessment, this Colby's helped me understand my clients that are fact finders that need a lot of space to really think things through and to understand, You know, you know, a couple of my clients want to have like, what's my five-year plan? Okay. (laughs) It's hard to do a five-year plan the way technology is changing, but let's see what we can do. So you feel comfortable or what facts do you need to move forward on this next hire to feel comfortable? And, um, and then also for me to know like when to push people a little bit too, like, okay, you're actually not going to feel like you have all the information. So could we set a deadline to move forward, even though you feel like you could do more research. So, uh, so that's been really helpful to understand the people I'm working with. And, uh, and I I really, I think it's a really interesting assessment, especially for those of us that enjoy like personality tests. And it's, it's a nice um, addition to the other things that are out there to understand yourself and others.
0: Yeah. Well, and you mentioned your book and the help you got there. And I think it's interesting that you worked with a writing coach and ghostwriter. And it, it, It's clear to me from reading it and from knowing you somewhat since we've worked together in the past, Mm -hmm. it's clear to me that it was very much a collaboration because it it sounds like you. When I'm reading it, I hear your voice, Mm -hmm. you know, so... It, yeah, which was really important to me because I'm a
1: podcaster. So my listeners know my voice. Yeah. And so it could not. And there were some things in there like I, like she would write some things in, you know, and there's some things I wrote and some things like she would write the first draft of and I would tweak it. But there was some way she phrased things. I was like, well, I don't say that like that or that's not even something I would ever say. And so that was so what was so great is to go through it. And I am such a better editor than a starter on mm. stuff like that. Like I'll have the idea. But then to actually go and write the content to write is difficult for me. So even when I do solo episodes, those are challenging for me. I I love doing them because I love sharing, you know, my thoughts with my audience. Uh, But they take me, you know, double, sometimes triple what a um, what a interview um, episode would be, and part of that also is this other thing I deal with, which is perfectionism. Mm. So I, I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist, but I relapse a lot. <laughs>
0: I can relate to that, I think. Well, (laughs) I want to talk about your book, because we've mentioned it a couple times. This is something that just came out not too long ago. It's called Reset Your Mindset. I I will put a link in the show notes because I really recommend it. Your your target audience, the people you work with, a lot of them are entrepreneurs, business women at various stages, and a lot of them are very high performing business women. But you've written this book about mindset issues that women deal with in pursuing their goals. And I think so much of what you say in the book is applicable to people who who have no interest in being entrepreneurs. Um, can you share, I you know, I, I don't want to recite the whole book because i I really would encourage people to go pick up a copy and read it and think about it. Uh, but, but can you maybe share one or two of the the biggest mindset challenges that women that you're seeing women having to struggle with?
1: Yes, I think that in general, with mindset, it's so frustrating because, and I know most of the women listening, most of your audience, Laura, they, are working on productivity because they're goal-oriented and they're, they're, they're people that are continuously improving their lives. Right. And so they are used to deciding to improve something, they improve it and they work on the next thing to improve. Well, that's, what's difficult about mindset because it's not something you conquer. So Mm -hmm. it's something that you have to, and I, I came up with the term reset and, and it, it, it is a framework. Each, each letter R E S E T represents a step in the process to reset your mindset, but it's something you have to do each time, especially as you try to do something new. Mm -hmm. So for the women that, that I work with, they're entrepreneurs and they're trying to do something new in their business. They're trying to offer something new or go after kind of a new category or launch a new product or, uh, put a proposal out to, that's kind of the biggest proposal they've ever done before. Every time we try to do something new, we tend to come up against a mindset issue. And it is unnerving when you are used to conquering something. And mm-hmm. then people can almost go get paralyzed because they don't understand why am I going through this again and again and again. And they imagine that nobody else is. And so one of the reasons I wanted to write this book is to kind of normalize that process and the things people tell me privately uh, about their mindset and about their struggles to, sh- to put some of that out there publicly. And I was very grateful that, um, I had, uh, several clients that were willing to let me interview them for the book and use their stories throughout. And I think that's what makes this book unique is it's not just my story and my, um, framework and thoughts. It's, it's the stories of, you know, eight other women and they're multiple, all of us have multiple mindset issues that are, that are stronger for us. Uh, Like for me, I said, fear of judgment is not one I struggle with, uh, but imposter syndrome is and, uh, fear of failure is. So those are, those are two that I struggle with. And then most people I work with also have money mindset issues that, Mm -hmm. that go back very deep to our childhood. Often And or stories in our early adulthood about most often it's it's scarcity. There's this it, with money mindset. Many of us have had experiences with scarcity. Um, I, I have too. even though my my family was middle class and, and kind of got more affluent as I got older. There were times where there was a recession that it impacted um, my college years and um, a time in in my my first marriage when my ex-husband moved money. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> he moved some money out of an account and I really dealt with like the feeling of scarcity And so that's something that I deal with and I see a lot of other women deal with that It it's on the outside looking and it just doesn't quite make sense Like why are you worried about scarcity when you have all this abundance? uh, and so through the book and in the work I do with people we help them to uh, understand you're not alone and to have a process like to go to um do you want to dig into any of those that I mentioned, any
0: that you feel would be most helpful? We were talking before we started recording about imposter syndrome, and we've talked about that on this show before. What I find so interesting, and it, well, maybe we can define real quickly in case we've got someone new who hasn't listened to the past episodes about what imposter yeah. syndrome is.
1: Yeah. I'll share my point of view. You're welcome to share yours too. I was something I had never heard of until I started listening to podcasts. So I'm sure there's some people listening that are like, Oh my gosh, now I I know why I feel this way. It is the feeling as if you're a fraud and should not be doing what you're doing. And that at any moment you're going to find that someone's, you're going to be found out that people are going to go, Oh my gosh, Natalie doesn't really know anything about coaching. Like why is Natalie hosting a conference? Like who, who, who is she? Yeah. Who are you? Usually what you hear in your head is who are you to blah, 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 whatever it is. That's what you hear in your head often.
0: Yeah. And it it is so prevalent. I mean, I've, I experienced in, in many ways, it kept me from almost kept me from launching this podcast because exactly that. Who are you? Why would anybody want to listen to what you have to say? I felt it when I went to law school later in life, I walked into that building and I thought any day now they're going to find out, they're going to realize they should not have let me in here.
1: Yes. That's the other thing is like any day now, can I share this quote by Maya Angelou? We actually start our imposter syndrome trap, our imposter syndrome chapter off with this. Sure. She says, which I could not believe because you just can't believe that anyone else feels this way, especially people that you admire. And she said, I have written 11 books, but each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I run a game on everybody and they're going to find me out.
0: Yeah. And that, that that's such a great expression of what imposter syndrome is all about. And what's so interesting to me, as we talked about earlier, is that when you look at the research, because there is, you know, there are studies that have been done about imposter syndrome, uh, scholarly studies, and research has been done. And when you read some of the papers, what they find is it is most common in highly accomplished women. Mm -hmm. the women that we all look up to and think, wow, look at all she's doing. She's got it all figured out. Those very often are the women who in their heart of hearts are thinking they're going to, they're going to figure out that I'm a fraud.
1: It's, uh, it's fascinating, especially when you have, you know, really high functioning women sharing their inner thoughts with you, uh, which is what you know, one of the, the blessings of the work I get to do is I, as people trust me and they share very vulnerable things with me and to over time have gathered all these thoughts in my head and to have kind of shifted, you know, shifted through them. And, um, it's just, it's shocking what people hear in their head. Yeah. It's, it's literally just mind blowing and surprising. And so, Uh, that's why I wanted to get this book out there and it is written for women entrepreneurs because that's who I talk to and I try to stay focused on who I talk to. Uh, but I've had a few, a few friends, uh, say that they're sharing it with their husbands or reading. Uh, many people are saying I'm, I'm taking this book on vacation I'm reading things to my husband as we're sitting together and, uh, uh, I was I was talking to our phot- photographer at our event who heard me I did a opening keynote on on the framework for this book and uh, he's like, you know, I have an inner mean boy as Mm. well because, because the, the tagline for the book is silence your inner mean girl. And he's like, you know, guys have an inner mean boy. And I said, yeah, I know they do. Uh, but I'm, I'm focusing on, on the ladies and, uh, you know, anyone is going to experience mindset issues when they're doing something new and great. And whether that's, uh, you know, if you're in the corporate world and trying to, uh, trying to, to, to move up the corporate ladder, or if you're, if you're trying to be PTA president at your at your child's school, you're doing something. When you're stepping into something new, or um, you're in a leadership position, position, and honestly,
0: even as a mother, yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's really that's such a to good to be the mother. <laughs> yeah, that is such a good point that that these mindset issues affect us in all areas of our lives. Um, as moms, as, you know, as a lawyer, as uh, any of the the roles that we play, those mindset issues are going to be affecting a lot of us. And they're going to be, you know, which ones we struggle with may be different for each of us, but the concepts are there. And I love, that's what I love about the book. What I'm really enjoying reading it is you've developed this framework for identifying what, what the issue is that you're struggling with and finding a way to overcome it. Um, and so again, I'm going to encourage everybody to to check that book if that book out. If if you are whether you're an entrepreneur or not, if there's some goal that you've had, something you've dreamed of doing, and it's on your you you know your your goal list every year, it's on your to do list, and yet it's not getting done, and you're struggling with why am I not making progress? Probably a lot of the answers are going to be found in understanding what mindset issues are creating those obstacles in in your own head. Yes. Yeah. So so we'll we'll have a link in the show notes for the book. Um, One of one thing that I don't know if it's really a mindset. But before we get back to talking about how you're managing your own life. One of the things that really made me want to have you come and be uh, talk with me on the show is something you said in one of your newsletters early in the uh, this last year about whether it's possible, especially for us as women to be too polite in business. Um, And if you can think back to when you were writing about that, what what did you mean by that? And what can we do about
1: it? That's such a great question. Uh, So I was raised to be very polite. My mom is a gracious woman. Pretty much if you met her, you would like her and want to be friends with her. She's just a very likable, kind, uh, person, but also, you know, cause so I've kind of evaluated, you know, different people and how different people interact with the world. I would call my mom a people pleaser. Uh, so, and I, I, don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that's how she operates. She really deeply cares about others and, and wants other people to be happy and will often sacrifice her own happiness, uh, to, to make, to make other people's happiness come to be. And. I also was given a lot of training, which my mom, she she listens to the podcast. And so she's heard me say some of these things on air and reads my newsletter. And, and uh, sometimes she's like, well, that wasn't my intention. And, and we all know as parents, those of us that are parents that often in parenting, you say things that your child takes to a level that maybe you didn't intend. Mm -hmm. So some of that is going on in in my life as well. Uh, But I was also taught to not talk about uh, my success that other people should shine the light on me, not to shine the light on myself and to shine the light on others and, and not, you know, if I had an achievement, I shouldn't be talking about my achievements. Well, I learned very early in the business world that if I was not going to be sharing about my achievements that no one was going to. <laughs> and so yeah. I had to make some adjustments and, and take, figure out how to interact and, in, primarily a male dominated world that I, that I started working in, I was uh, a management consultant and often I would be the only woman on the team and uh, traveling, you know, with a group, a group of guys and how to interact and also how to excel and shine in that group with, and I, I realized I had to find a way to authentically share about the great things that were happening for me and in my work. And so I often find that um, other women have had the same kinds of messaging growing up and that we at some point need to make a shift. And really in all of the messaging we received growing up, I would say, do we agree with it? And is Mm -hmm. that working for us now? And I come from a place where I truly believe that I know my parents did the absolute best they could. I believe that 99% of parents do the best they could. There are just some pure evil people and abusive people that, you know, those are, that's just a whole different story. But I'm talking about those of us that had came from families where our parents truly did the best they could and may have created some messaging and thoughts that have stayed with us that may need some adjusting and so it's okay to be respectful of the work they did in your life and also make changes and adjustments. I find that there's a way to do both. And so I have, I have gone against some of my mom's teaching to not talk about how great I am. And and also to, so I do, I will share my achievements and it's often very uncomfortable for me, but I do it anyway. And, um, I also, I I also do something with, uh, with my community on my birthday. I will ask them for a gift and the gift is usually to share some of my content or to subscribe to my podcast. And that feels very strange. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure when my mom reads that newsletter, she's like, I can't believe she's asking for a gift, but (laughs) I've also learned to ask for what I need and to, uh, to, to know that I've created goodwill with people and it's okay to create and ask once in a while. So I don't do that every week, uh, but I feel like once or twice a year, it's okay to ask people that hear my podcast for free if they would give me a gift and it's my birthday and here's like five to seven ways you could help me celebrate. So that is, you know, one way that I may seem less of a nice girl, but I've had to figure out how to uh, how to operate in business in a different way than maybe I was raised to.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's such a good lesson to learn. And I, I it's, as I said, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you for this particular episode, um, which as listeners are hearing it, it's the beginning of a new year. And maybe we're all thinking about the things that we want to accomplish this year. I, I always encourage people to think about what, what's the end goal you want, what are some of the obstacles that may be in the way? And what can you do to overcome those obstacles that becomes your to do list. And I think for many of us, one of our uh, one of the obstacles is our own hesitance to speak up to say, Hey, I know how to do this thing, this thing that you need done. This is something I'm good at. This is something I've accomplished. I'd like to play a role in, you know, whatever this thing, whether it's in business, your own business or in corporate America, or as you said, in the PTA at your child's school to be willing to overcome that hesitance, that feeling that, well, if I'm speaking up about what I'm good at, I'm bragging. And we were all taught not to brag about ourselves, right? To to find a gracious way to let people know what you have to contribute.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And I think to just know that it's not going to feel comfortable the first few times and that uh, doing things differently, you're actually like creating new synapses in your brain when you do things in a way that we haven't done before to just go ahead and try it and see what happens.
0: As as, uh, someone I know and respect very well, very much has said more than once, when you try something new, what's the worst that's going to happen? Nobody's going to punch you in the face. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, you really have to ask yourself, can you survive it? And it comes down to like our lizard brain, right? We all have this like evolutionary brain that, you know, goes back to survival mode at the end of the day. and. We actually I actually have to walk myself through the process of can I survive? Can I survive whatever it is? Can I survive the next thing? Could I you really have to get to the worst case scenario? And this is something I, I talk about in in the book as a take action. So the t and the end of reset is take action. And one of those is to go through the what if protocol, which is asking yourself, okay, I'm scared to do this thing because what if this happened? And then you tell yourself, okay, if that happened, what would I do? And you'd be like, I would do this. But then what if this happened? And then you keep going until you have no more what ifs. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're basically trying to find out if the worst scenario happened, could you live and survive <laughs> that? Really? Like mentally, it sounds, you're laughing, but it's really true. Like no, no, I'm laughing like, because it's so true. Yeah, like mentally, emotionally, physically, could you live If you could live, then you go do one thing to move forward on that. Yeah. And, and that's what I have to do for my live event, Laura, which is probably the thing I have the most imposter syndrome over, uh, Although I did have mindset issues about writing a mindset book, I will say that's that's a fact, which is really weird. Uh, but for the live event, it's such a huge thing, and I have to go through several levels of imposter syndrome and fear of failure, and even money mindset, right? Because there's they're all happening because it's a big it's a big investment to put on an event like that, and I have to think, okay, what if what if I don't sell enough tickets? What if I sell zero tickets? What would happen? What if I host the event and people say it was terrible and the worst event they've ever been to? What What if people not only think that, but they put that on social media and everybody I know sees that? What if um, all my clients that were at the event think it was so bad that they never want to work with me again, right? I have to go through all those are thoughts I literally have and I have to do this work on myself and sometimes it means I lose a half a day of productivity because I am in my head and I am struggling and I have to do things to help myself get through that. But I have to work through if these things happened could I survive and I've decided that I can and that's why I'm able to do the event for the third time but the first time was the hardest no doubt. The first time was the hardest, yeah.
0: Yeah, because it, it, really the process you're describing there is sort of getting our, our more developed brain, our prefrontal cortex, to talk to our amygdala and say, no, you're not actually going to die. There is no saber-toothed tiger.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> because that part of our brain can't differentiate between, you know, the saber-toothed tiger that's on the, on the prowl and somebody giving us a dirty look
1: it it doesn't and so if you stay stuck in that amygdala and that lizard brain if you stay stuck there you will not move forward and so it's we have to do these little things to get us out of that and then there's several ideas in the book you know i just gave you one but there's several different ways to do that and it's usually about doing some some type of action something that's a forward momentum it could even be changing locations like getting out of your office going for a walk taking a bath it could be doing some kind of shift also for you that can help you get out of that
0: that space. But it's awful when you're in there. It's really, really hard. Yeah, I love it. There's so much more we could talk about (laughs) that. And maybe someday I'll have you come back and we can talk about it some more. But before we go, a couple of quick things. Getting back to the issue of how you're managing all the things you're doing. Are there any particular tools you like or resources that you recommend for managing your time, managing your projects? any of those sorts of things that, that you use? Yes, I have
1: several. And because I'm a quick start, I like to try lots of new things all the time and then don't keep using them. But one that has stuck with me and it's actually comes from a podcast guest I have. And, she suggested that every day and I have implemented it and I, I love it. And her name was Michelle Prince, uh, that every day you write down three things you want to accomplish and write them on a sticky note and literally put it on top of your phone. Like our phones have become this huge distraction in our lives. So when you see your three things, you, you, when you know, when you grab your phone, you can't help but think, okay, maybe instead of popping on Instagram, I might want to complete one of these things. And she mm. especially likes to accomplish one thing as soon as possible in the day. And so, to, and also many of us, and especially me, because of all my ideas, my to do list can be 10 or 20 you know, things deep, tasks deep, and that's just not possible. And then I feel less than when I don't get through the whole to-do list. But if three things, I could pretty much every day accomplish three things. And often one of those things is something for self-care, like go for a swim or go to Pilates or go for a walk. It could be something, it's not always work-related for me. Uh, And we really what I found and I'm sure that you most likely think and other guests have shared is that we're, we're better off just focusing on a fewer things and we can't get as much done as we want. So this post-it has been so successful for me that I've actually had some printed that have, you know, my brand on them and the one, two, three written out and says, go take some action on the bottom, which is one of my, uh, my phrases that I say at the end of most of my podcasts. So, uh, so I've, created my own, (laughs) my own branded uh, post-its to use for this purpose. And, uh, and that's probably like the thing that helps me stay the most productive. And part of it's that it reminds me, Natalie, you're not going to get 10 things
0: done today. That sounds like a great tool and a great idea. And so even if you don't, for folks who don't have their own special branded post-it notes, just any any kind
1: of... Any post-it, any any post-it just write. Just write one, two, three on a post-it, stick it on your phone. Yeah. That's all you need to do. I love
0: that. I, I, and I really love the idea of putting it on your phone and that whole idea, because how often do we just, without thinking, reach for our phone to look at Facebook or just, to, you know, kill time or avoid, you know, whatever else we maybe ought to be doing. And to have that right there to remind you, hey, you, you remember you said you wanted to do these things. Let's, let's focus on that. So I love that idea. Well, before we go, a couple of things I gotta ask. You're obviously a very productive person in the sense of you've got a lot of work going on, a lot of things you're doing. You've thought about it very often. You, you've clearly put a lot of thought and intention to how you structure your life and your your year, your month, your your days. And you have systems in place. You have support systems that you've created. But even with all of that and all you know about mindset and all these other things, I have to ask, because I always ask, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if you do, what do you do to get back on track?
1: So I usually cry for a little while. (laughs) And, uh, and that helps cause I, I emoting usually means I've been holding stuff inside. Usually for me, it's something emotional has happened either with, you know, with someone that with someone I care about, whether that is a family member, a client, a child, uh, a neighbor, a friend, there's something probably emotional going on that is getting me upset and feeling overwhelmed and like, I'm not able to function and do the things, I also can get overwhelmed around, you know, I talked a little bit about money mindset and scarcity. So I also can get overwhelmed with kind of just the stress of running a business. I have a team of people that we're supporting and, you know, even in our household, we have people that we're, you know, providing uh you know, revenue to money to, uh, so it's important that my business stays afloat and I can get to that amygdala scarcity feeling of, uh, it's all going to go away, right? It's Mm -hmm. all going to disappear. And then I can, I can get very into overwhelm. And so a few things that I do, I allow myself the space to be emotional and, but I don't let it go on for like a whole day. Mm -hmm. So I generally don't lose a whole day, but I might lose a few hours of just like, feeling emotional i do try to either like take a bath that's very comforting for me i might i do in the middle of the day sometimes take a bath because that's what i need um or go for a walk to do something to kind of take care of myself the other thing i do when it has to do with money is i try to think what could i what money can i let go of hmm. so is there an invoice i could pay is there someone that you know i could give money to that has been I've been supposed to give money to so because what I want to do is the opposite right I want to just hoard it and hold it and keep it all in so I try to release it Mm. and it's so crazy Laura like every time I do this money comes back to me Mm. like it's as if I needed to get it out there and then like someone will pay their invoice or someone will say they want to work with me or um you know, something will happen, um, related to abundance of money. And so that has affirmed that practice for me to keep doing it. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I will ask for support. Like I have, my husband is just so amazing to talk to. He understands this business and my industry, and I'm able to process a lot of things with him. So talking to him is, is really helpful and he's very calming. Uh, he's a very calm person and sometimes a hug from him is like the best thing ever Mm -hmm. so those are kind of like (laughs) for me it's like i guess uh, of allowing myself to be emotional taking some kind of um, self-care practice and if it's to do with money or if i am feeling um if i'm feeling some fears around like my own success i will try to do something to help someone else so i was feeling kind of down a few weeks ago and, uh, and I don't even remember why I was, I just remember like I was in a bad spot and I was like, okay, what could I do to make someone else feel better? Like mm-hmm. I can't make myself feel, feel good right now. So I have a few podcasts that I love listening to that I haven't left reviews on and I know how much that helps other podcasters. And so I went and did, um, I, I, I just, I was like, instead of doing like sitting here wallowing in my own self pity, I'm going to do this nice thing for these three people. And, uh, and, and then I actually felt better. And then I was like, okay, and then I was able to kind of move on to the next thing in my day.
0: I love that. That's such a, such a great idea to um, kind of turn it around and do for someone else what, what you kind of need to do for yourself in a way. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. love
1: that. It was helpful.
0: Yeah. So Natalie, what is on the horizon for you? What do you have coming up professionally, personally, whatever that you're excited about and looking forward to it? in the coming year or weeks.
1: Oh, thank you for asking Laura. And this has been so such a delight. Uh, I am really looking forward to helping more women grow their businesses, but I'm really focused on women keeping money into their families. So it's very common for uh, women to spend a lot in their businesses and maybe not be focused on their numbers and what's coming back into their family and creating profit and, and wealth for their families. And so we are really helping all of our clients to not only grow their businesses, but to grow their profits and to understand the numbers that are happening in their business. So that's really what we're passionate about, and we we work with women that have businesses at say the five figure level all the way on up to the seven figure level. So it's such a joy, and uh, the other thing is on the horizon is just uh, really enjoying the team that I have um, that I'm working with now. I I started this business on my own with my husband editing my podcast and a a virtual assistant part time that was in the Philippines, and and now I have. Um, like an executive level person on my team, and an amazing executive assistant as well. Plus, help at help at home, and some other contractors that do things in the business. And so, it's it's just really exciting to deliver high quality um, coaching and masterminds to our our clients, and also to grow the podcast mm-hmm. and to serve our clients through uh, our live event as well, our leadership conference in November.
0: Well, into that point, for for anybody who's listening that maybe wants to learn more about the things that you're doing, the things you've talked about, um, where where can people connect with you online? Where's the, where's the bl- best place for for listeners of this podcast to find out more about what you're doing?
1: Well, I would love for since if you're listening, you're a podcast listener. I would love if you would check out my podcast, which is the BizChicks podcast. So, on whatever app or you're listening on right now just search for BizChicks, and i spell chicks with an x so b-i-z-c-h-i-x and click subscribe Mm -hmm. or you can come to my website which is bizchicks.com again b-i-z-c-h-i-x.com i I always feel like it's important to start with the podcast because that's how you can get to know me like if if you've enjoyed this conversation uh there's an opportunity to hear lots more natalie uh similar to your listeners my listeners binge the podcast too and they'll find me and enjoy it and go back and and listen to a A lot of episodes in a row which is always fun to hear about and I do have an episode I could share with you where I share more about my framework it's actually the keynote from our live event and I can share that link with you uh, Laura so um, that was a few months ago and that would be a great if you were interested in this topic of mindset, I kind of go through the whole framework. And um, I did If you can hear the audience. And it's kind of fun. I also can give you a flavor of the live event. That would be a great episode that I would point people to.
0: Okay, yeah, definitely. We'll put the link for that in the show notes. So we can uh, check that out. Well, this has been so great talking with you, a lot of food for thought, a lot of great ideas. I appreciate you being willing to share about how you're managing things and making your own life that matters, as well as the, you know, some of the things you've learned and shared in, in your book and your other resources. Before we go, do you have any last words for the listener who might be maybe looking for help in getting things done and, and making a life that matters? What would you say to her? It's important to know what
1: you're trying to create for yourself, like to that concept of starting with your why. And especially, you know, it's the new year. This is just such a great time to reflect. Do you want this next year to be the same as the last year? And maybe you do. Maybe you're like, that was the perfect year. I need to copy that. But I think for the majority of us and including myself, I want this year to be better. And so what do I what do I want to feel at the end of 2019 what do i how, what do i want to have happened and what do i want to feel and what do i not want to feel and what do i not want to have happened and i think that if you start with that intention in mind about about that it will inform the rest of your year and the decisions you make and so just i mean i guess at the end of the day the day it's like don't go through the motions again mm. so Let's let's make this year better, even if it's a tiny bit better. It's still better than last year. And even if you don't feel like you have a lot of control over your situation, um, I know that in in my own life, there's some health issues going on with some relatives, and it feels very out of control. Um, and knowing that, how does that change this year? How does that impact my life? And uh, and what can I? What adjustments can I make now to still make this year one of the best years? It can be for me given all that's happening in my life. But I, I think being very intentional mm. and just, taking I think taking some time and giving yourself some time. Like if you have rushed through the holidays and had no time to think and breathe, give yourself a half a day. Ask for support. Ask for someone t- if you're, you have children or need a day off of work or take a sa- Saturday morning ask for that time. And that goes back to that nice girl. You know, the nice girl doesn't ask for help and time for herself. It's okay to ask for some help and some time so that you can launch this year and make it the best year yet. Well, I couldn't
0: have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Natalie, for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you, Laura. It was such an honor. (music) I am so thankful to Natalie for taking the time to talk with me for our benefit, to share her thoughts on how she manages her life and for some great suggestions and really encouraging thoughts for the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Natalie or for me? Any thoughts about the things that she and I talked about? I would love to get your feedback. I know she'd be interested in hearing it as well. You can share your thoughts in a number of ways in the comments section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 225. uh, You can post a comment or a question there. You can also do it on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you are part of that. If you want to share your thoughts with me privately, you can always email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I want to, before we go, give a shout out to our longtime sponsor, FreshBooks. For those of you who are freelancers or small business owners, you know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business and how incredibly important it is to get paid for the good work you do. Well, our friends at FreshBooks are there to help with their cloud accounting service that is ridiculously easy to use, even for somebody like me who doesn't love numbers a whole lot. FreshBooks has a ton of great features. For instance, you can use it to automate late payment email reminders. So instead of digging through your records, manually sending reminders to customers who haven't paid, FreshBooks will track payments and send those reminders for you. And when you email an invoice, FreshBooks can show you when a client has seen it, which is a useful bit of information. Well, if you haven't yet tried FreshBooks, now is the perfect time to give it a try and get the new year off to a great start in your business finances. They are offering that unrestricted 30-day free trial to the Productive Woman listeners. No credit card required. This is just your chance to see whether FreshBooks is right for you. To try it out, visit freshbooks.com slash woman. Be sure to enter the productive woman in there. How did you hear about us?" section? And let me know what you think. If you've tried it, I'd, I'd love to hear what you think. Um, And of course, remember, if one of your goals this year is to read more, definitely check out Blinkist and their special offer. Visit Blinkist.com slash TPW to start your free seven-day trial. Thank you so much to FreshBooks and Blinkist for supporting The Productive Woman. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Natalie. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I hope you found something in it that is helpful or encouraging to you, something you can take home and put into action this year to make your life meaningfully productive. Uh, I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.